Want to talk about BetUS? BetUS is an online legal sports book in all 50 states. They have the best numbers on the marketplace all the time. I love it not just because of the golf odds that they will hang, but also because of their fast, secure, and easy payout. So make sure to go to BetUS.com and use promo code PICKTHEPUP. That is the important part. Use promo code PICKTHEPUP for a 125% bonus on your first deposit at BetUS.com. Let's get to the show. Okay, the Olympics. The Olympics. I was not planning on doing a solo episode this week. I played a lot of golf this weekend. This is like the first time in a year that I'd played golf for three days straight. I've just been working so hard trying to grow this podcast and get hired that I just I haven't been able to play a lot of golf this year at all. Um, and I wanted, I love golf. I've been playing since I was five years old. And one of my big goals this summer was to get back down to a scratch. So I figured this is a perfect week to take off play a lot of golf, work on my golf game, and uh, pick it back up next week for the uh, WGC FedEx in Memphis. But I got a lot of Olympics questions uh, over the weekend. I uh, played with a bunch of other guys in the industry, and we talked some Olympics, and I kind of found myself getting into it a little bit. Um, I got, I, I don't know if excitement is the correct word, but I'm definitely going to bet it. And if I'm going to bet it, I feel a little bit naked if I don't go through my own personal process, which I also try and record for you guys during these Sunday podcasts. But, you know, if I'm going to bet it, there's no point in half-assing it. So I had some time on Saturday night and today, and so I dove in. So I figured might as well do this episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter, but let's run it. So Olympics. Let's dive right in. Kasuma Gaseki Country Club, the East Course. That is going to be the last time on this podcast, at least, that I will attempt to pronounce that course. There are 59 golfers in the field now because John Rahm withdrew this morning. It is four rounds of stroke play golf. And I believe that this is going to start on Wednesday night, actually, because of the time difference. I think we'll get primetime golf. Uh, so, Keep that in mind. I believe you're going to want to lock in everything before Wednesday evening. So I'll say it one more time. Kasuma Gaseki Country Club. It's the East Course. It's a par 71 measuring 7,447 yards. Bent grass greens. It is originally a Charles Allison design, which doesn't really matter because Tom Fazio gave it a total facelift in 2016. The course is 35 miles northwest of downtown Tokyo. It is apparently quite a hike from all the action. And when I think of Tom Fazio, I mean, he is a modern designer. It's kind of difficult to pinpoint elements of a Tom Fazio design, maybe in the same way that you would be able to, I don't know, pinpoint elements of a CB McDonald design or a Pete Dye design, because Fazio tends to just completely transform the landscape. His golf courses are very visually stimulating. Um, Shadow Creek, where we saw the CJ Cup, for example, comes to mind. Big greens. He tends to have large and undulating greens, beautifully manicured. His courses are always in impeccable conditions. And elevated greens, big, broad bunkers. So that's kind of what comes to mind when I think Tom Fazio. As far as comps go, I thought about this a lot. So Sherwood Country Club I really like. That is a Jack Nicholas course, I know, not a Fazio course, but 
that by the way where they had the zozo um but ben, that patrick cantley one but bent grass greens immaculate condition big undulating greens a lot of scorable holes and shorter par fours so i really like sherwood country club as a comp Shadow Creek, obviously, um, comes to mind as a Tom Fazio design that they recently had the CJ Cup that Jason Kokrak won at. And uh, Quail Hollow. I like Quail Hollow a lot. I feel like this course is very similar to Quail Hollow. And Brad Klein brought that up um, in the Golf Pass video review. Shout out to Chris Murphy on Twitter who shared that out. Um Quail Hollow was, of course, redesigned by Tom Fazio before the PGA Championship in 2017, and I think Quail Hollow is a pretty good comp. I'm going to look at players that have played well there, probably more so uh, the Wells Fargo than the PGA. This course is not going to play like a major championship. I don't even think it will play as hard as the Wells Fargo. I think this course is easier than Quail Hollow. I think it's probably somewhere in between quail hollow and like sherwood and shadow creek which you had to get to 20 under at both those courses Um, but from all the pictures that i've seen and the things that i've read those are the three courses that makes the most sense for me i could be wrong you can do your own thing that's what makes the most sense for me i've heard augusta um but i don't know i think people get mixed up when they see a course that's just in immaculate conditions like i remember when i played southern hills which to this day is the most nicely maintained golf course i've ever played it looked augusta-esque just because like not a blade of grass was out of order but that doesn't mean it requires the same skill set um i could see it i guess like tree-lined large sloping greens uh, if you want to look at that, I definitely don't hate it. But when I think about Augusta, I think about par five scoring a lot. And because they're, the par fives are very gettable at Augusta. And that is just not the case at this course whatsoever. So like, for example, not to step on when I get into the stats, but like, I'm not really looking at par five scoring. I'd rather just look at wedge play, uh, because I mean, one of the par fives is 640 yards and all of them are over 585, but I digress. This guy, Brad Klein, who did the golf pass review, which is, you know, a lot of the research that I am going from, but he talked about how the right side of the golf course is trouble. So if you have a hard cut, maybe that's not so good. Um, I mean, I'm really getting into the weeds here, but Morikawa's miss is right. JT plays a cut, but his miss is kind of a duck hook off the tee at least. Um, like JT doesn't, he doesn't really push the ball. He either plays like this little beautiful five yard cut or he just completely pulls it. Xander's miss is left when he overcooks the draw a little bit. This is a really silly thing to be talking about. I was planning on completely taking this week off, but here we are. Anyway, I let's do the stats. Let's do the stats. Because I don't want to spend a ton of time on on this, but I did make a model for this, and I felt like I was going in a little bit blind, but this is what I think would be important this week based on all of my research. So iron play, just like all Fazio courses, the second shot is important. Um, Pretty heavy weight on strokes gain approach. I mean, proximity-wise, I think it's going to be a lot of long irons and wedges. I would say long irons because there are four par 
five par fours that are over 450 yards. There are three par fives that I already mentioned are over 586 yards. And the par threes measure 237, 223, 189, and 203. So I have a pretty heavy weight on proximity from 200 yards plus. But I also took a look at wedge play because I looked at um, I looked at some of the other par fours, and here are the other par fours. 411, 381, 368, 398, 403, and 343 is drivable. Um, so I think like proximity from 100 to 125 and 125 to 150 because of all those short par fours coupled with a couple more wedges on at least two of the par fives as well, um, you'll have a wedge into maybe half the holes here. Uh, so I think long irons and wedges, you're going to have a lot of on this course. Okay, I looked at three-putt avoidance. Big, undulating, Fazio greens. I think that's going to come into play here. These greens are fast. It's not like what we saw at Royal St. George's where slow greens and putting is neutralized a little bit and you see so many team no-putt guys play well. In my opinion, at least in my own experience, the faster and the more undulating greens, the bigger advantage that gives to good putters. So I'm going to look at three-putt avoidance. I think it could be important this week. Not going huge on short game. Like I said, these greens are pretty large, and this course is not going to be that hard. If you are missing a ton of greens here, you probably don't stand a chance to begin with. But I did look at sand saves because this course is littered with bunkers, so I think sand saves is definitely in play. I think driving distance will help here. Um, It is a relatively long golf course at over 7,400 yards in a par 71. It's an aerial golf course, as Fazio designs tend to be. I think distance helps a lot at a place like Quail Hollow. I mean, we've seen Rory win there so many times, although I wouldn't discount shorter hitters. Like Abraham Anser did finish second there last year, but it's a big rolling golf course, and all the par fives are really long. They're all over 590 yards, and one of them is 640 yards. So, I'm not, like I said, I'm not even going to look at par five scoring here because these all seem like three shot holes. I'd rather just look at driving distance and proximity with your long irons and wedge play because maybe if you are uber long and you're getting there in two, like it's going to help a lot. So I'm going to put a small weight on that. And especially with some of the longer par fours too, like one of these par fours measures 521. Um, So I think distance will help here. Um, good drives gained. Another one. I don't know how wide these fairways are, but it seems like you can hit driver a lot, or that's at least what Brad Klein said. So that's why I like driving distance a little, and that's why I'm gonna take a peek at good drives gained because I just want guys that can keep the ball and play off the tee and give themselves birdie looks because I think you're gonna have the ability to hit driver a lot on this course. I, I know it's tree lined, but Similar to Augusta, I think you can hit a lot of drivers here just based on all of the flyovers and what I've seen. I don't think that it's necessarily like a club down course by any means. I think it is open enough that you're able to hit drivers. So I want guys that are long and accurate and, you know, able to keep the ball in play. Birdies are better gained. Like I mentioned, I don't think this is going to be that hard. Um, I think an easier version of Quail Hollow I mean, you had to get to 23 under at Sherwood. That might, maybe it's going to be a little bit harder than that. There were 47 guys at 10 under or more at Sherwood. That that feels a little easy to me. Sherwood was, I think, like 7,200 yards. Shadow Creek, where Kokrak won at 20 under. 
but 10 only 10 players finished at 10 under or better. That feels about right. I think if you asked any of these guys, they'd take 20 under right now, maybe 18. Um, but these fields are very top heavy, keep in mind. So there's going to be some gaps across the leaderboard where over four rounds of golf, the better players are just going to separate themselves um, from the pack. So I, I think birdies are going to be important. I think you got to score here. Strokes gain putting on bent grass. Yes, absolutely. No problem with that one bit. I would definitely take a look at it. But okay, that's there you have it. Like that's it, basically. I'm looking at iron play, proximity with your long irons, wedge play, three putt avoidance, a little bit of distance, and guys who can keep the ball in play off the tee, and guys who have played well at Quail Hollow and Shadow Creek and Sherwood, these courses that have these big and undulating greens with bent grass and, you know, relatively scorable. Um, I think that's the best we're going to do here. Um, I, I, that for me at least. So I plugged all these things into a model and I'll give you guys the last 36 rounds. I had Hovland at number one, uh, Xander at number two, Paul Casey at number three, Colin Morikawa at four, Rory at five, Corey Connors at six, Justin Thomas, seven, Joaquin Neiman, eight, Abraham answer nine and Cameron Smith, 10. Now, when I did a model of just bent grass putting, history at Shadow Creek, history at Sherwood, and history at Quail Hollow, here were the top 10, a little bit differently. Um, I kind of wanted to look at these both next to each other. But Joaquin Neiman was number one. Rory McIlroy was number two. Justin Thomas was three. Xander was four. Abraham Answer was five. Sebastian Munoz was six. Jonathan Vegas was seven. Hovland was eight. Cam Smith was nine. And Rory Sabatini was 10. So the guys that really overall rated out the best for me were Hovland, Xander, Justin Thomas, Rory, Joaquin Neiman, Abe Answer, and Cam Smith. Those seven guys had the most going for them statistically when I tried to break things down. Early leans. Let's do it. Early leans. So I was loading up to hammer Bryson. Um, I had a great Bryson rant prepared. He was my guy. Um, he was my guy this week. And obviously now Bryson has withdrawn. And I feel a little bit lost at the top. But this is what I'm thinking. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about Sungjae and Siwoo first. So... I have a bit of a contrarian take on this, and I know that people aren't going to agree with this at all, but I just don't don't see it with those guys. I think it's a square play, and I think about the NFL, for example. This This is an example of what I'm talking about. So you'll hear very sharp NFL people say all the time, and it's become a very profitable betting strategy for those willing to take it on, but must win does not mean will win. In fact, like I don't have the football numbers right in front of me, but teams in must-win situations, like when they have to win to get into the playoffs or whatever, they're negative against the spread, okay? So I know that everyone, myself included, is going to be rooting for these guys. Um, And I, I think if you're not rooting for it, you're a psychopath, but you're betting on a narrative. And 
that's just that's not how golf works. I've I've seen a lot of takes like, well, I'm hoping everyone else, if it's close, will tank to get them a medal. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. I know people are joking, but the they people don't care. The the golfers competing this week, I don't think they care. I don't think if they're in the heat of the the moment, they're going to eject. Um, I, no one's going to do that. If that happens, I will be shocked. These guys, they're going to fucking Tokyo. Like, they want to win. A lot of people turned this down. Uh, everyone that's there in some way, shape, or form has a reason for being there and cares. So, I don't... Yeah, it's just, I don't see it. And the other thing that I want to mention is, you have to complete military service by 28 um, if you don't win a medal. So, Sungjae just turned 24. He's going to be 27 in the Paris Olympics three years from now. So he has another chance. No one's talking about that. I tweeted that today and no and everyone was like, "Oh, I had no idea." I'm not an expert on Korean military service. I could be wrong, but when I looked at birthdays and the next Olympics date, he's going to have a chance to do this again. Now, I'm sure that he would love to get it done now. Um, of course, but I don't know. I don't think it's a I don't think this is a particularly good course for Sung JM. I mean, he wasn't good at Shadow Creek. He finished middle of the pack at Sherwood. He missed the cut badly at Quail Hollow this year. Bent is his worst surface. The ball striking got markedly worse at the John Deere after he had shown some real signs of life at the Rocket Mortgage. I mean, that was a god-awful field, and the only reason why Sung Jae made the cut at the John Deere was because he gained strokes putting, five of them. Um, he hasn't had a top five since the Tournament of Champions in January, and he plays in a lot of weak field events that he's like 30-1, to 1, and a lot of people, myself included, expect him to clean up in. I just I don't think he's good enough right now. He's below average with his wedges. He's not particularly long off the tee. The long irons are okay, but nothing special. Um, but... There are just a lot of better players in this field that I at similar odds that I think are better positioned to win a golf tournament right now than Sung J M. Si Woo, I like a little bit more. Like I could I could see Si Woo more. This is his last chance, but I don't particularly think this is a great course for Si Woo either. But listen, if you want to bet those guys because you want to root for him, by all means, I don't tend to do that. I'll just root for them and then bet on the players that I think are going to win. I want Xander to win, personally. I don't need to bet him, though, but I get it. If you're rooting for someone and you also have money on them, of course it's so much more fun. So I get it. It's definitely in play that they could play well. I just like other guys more. So at the top, I think the guys that I like the most— Hovland, I think. I like Hovland. I mean, I don't know if I like him at 14 to 1, which is the best that I've seen thus far. Um, you know, he finished 12th at Shadow Creek, 47th at Sherwood. He lost five strokes putting that week at Sherwood, though, and he finished third at Quail Hollow in one appearance. He's playing really well right now. He just finished 12th at the Open in his first appearance there. He's won in Germany recently. He's got five top fives this year, and they all came in tough fields on good golf courses like Torrey and Riviera and Concession and Quail Hollow. As I mentioned, the irons have been outstanding. The short game's been a little bit better. 
And I don't even think that's going to hurt him that much here. He's underrated as a putter, um, 14th in three-putt avoidance and 16th in strokes gained putting. Really, really good long iron player, long off the tee. I think he's going to be able to reach some of these par fives. Really good wedge player, too. Third in proximity from 125 to 150. Second in birdies or better gain. Makes a ton of birdies. I think he'll be able to go low here. I like Hovland. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bet him, but at the top, for me, the guys I like the most are Hovland and Reed. Um, now, with Reed, I, th- I saw an 18 to 1. I don't know what the number is going to be on Reed. He's the number one player in this field in three putt avoidance. He's fourth in sand saves, but he's not incredible by any means in this model based on what I'm projecting this course to be. I mean, the wedges have been average, the long irons have been average. He's not long by any means, and he hasn't even been driving the ball well. But at the same time, he does well in all these big tournaments. It's the it's the lesser ones. Like he just finished thirty second at the three M. It's the lesser ones that that he struggles with, and you know. The Masters he does really well at. I think that's fair. I think he cares about this more than other Americans. Like Xander has family from Japan, so I think Xander cares a lot too. But, I mean, he was playing the 3M Open, and he's been playing a ton of golf this year. He plays more than any other elite player. And he was like, yeah, I'll go to Tokyo. Like, fuck yeah. In the middle of a tournament, of course I want to go. No plans, no bags packed. He's in Minnesota. And he's like, yeah, I'll turn around and go to Tokyo on Monday. Um, like, can't let turn that down. And so I I don't love the numbers with Reed. Um, I don't love how he's been playing. But if we're going to talk about, like, the motivation factor with Sungjae to avoid military service, like, Reed's a psycho. Like, he doesn't... He cares about that stuff just as much for himself, um, and he's a better player. And the number with him, I, we have to see. But I, I like Reed and I like Reed and uh, and Hovland. One of those guys would probably be my favorite. Um, I'm not going to talk about Xander here, but you know, I think it's a good course for Xander Shoffley. Definitely a good event for him. I think. He's been really good overseas, really good in WGCs. He's the number one bent grass putter in this field. So I think Xander's live, but I'm I'm not going to bet him. Rory, I thought about, like, are we just out on Rory because he had that quote, like, right after a very disappointing British where he said that he wasn't pumped for the Olympics? Like, Morikawa just won the British after telling us that he was unfamiliar with Lynx golf and he didn't like the way his irons went through the turf. I, I don't know if we should all just fade Rory because he said he wasn't looking forward to the Olympics. I mean, he got caught there after like a really disappointing British Open three minutes after he walked off the course. I I think we may overrate those quotes sometimes with him and I th- I don't know I don't know if I can bet him at 12 to 1 but if no one's going to play Rory in DFS I I would be interested in him he rates out extremely well for me I I kind of put him in the exact same bucket as Justin Thomas though where the reason why I have such a hard time betting him is I just can't figure out where his game is at right now 
And I actually feel as shocking as this may sound, like I'm more, we can talk about JT in a second, but like I'm more confident in Rory's game right now than I am in JT's. I know people will probably disagree with that, but Rory's been hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, Now, I don't know what he did at the Open. The irons clearly regressed because he finished 46, but prior to that, he had this four-stretch start where he gained over four strokes on approach. That is peak 2014 Rory stuff right there. The only issue is that he hasn't been able to pair it with elite driving or putting. It's tough. I, it, the no laying up guys do such a good job on Rory, so I don't feel the need to rehash the whole thing. But, you know, I think Morikawa is a good comparison here. But you look at some of Rory's quotes and, like, listen to the way that Rory talks about golf right now compared to the way that Morikawa talks about golf. I think it's just different when you're in your 30s and you have a family and you're more of a corporation and you're more of a brand and you've lost a little bit of your innocence. It's harder to live, breathe, sleep, and eat golf. Um, It's harder to show up at these courses and be so innocent and fearless and in love with the game and enamored with the game. And he had this quote where they asked him, I'm paraphrasing here, are you disappointed that you haven't won a major in seven years? And he was like, disappointed? What are you talking about? I have the greatest life in the world. I've won four majors. Now, that's a weird quote, and I'm not even sure how much I buy it. I think he's I think he's maybe lying a little bit to himself there. But I do think that it just gets a little bit different um, when you get older, and your relationship to the game changes. And I'm just worried that he's at a point in his life where he doesn't necessarily have that same hunger or he's going through a bit of a lull in his career. And I don't think that's permanent by any means. Like, you know, we see mid-30s renaissance situations all the time. Um, But right now, it, it feels like he feels a little dejected and downtrodden. And I'm probably reading too much into that, but that's my take. So I think... I like Rory as like a DFS pivot guy. Um, Maybe everyone plays Rory. Who knows? But I don't think I could get there as an outright. And and Thomas is Thomas is a little bit of a different situation for me. I think his I'm more worried about like what's going on with his on the course stuff. Um, I get it with JT. Listen, he finished twelfth at Shadow Creek, second at Sherwood. He's got a really good record at Quail Hollow. Obviously, he's won the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. He's won a ton of no-cut events. He's won a bunch overseas in events like this. He's won a bunch of WGCs, the Tournament of Champions. I get it. I totally get it. He rates out well for me, too. My only point is, I just, I don't think he's playing that well. His irons are not there. And I don't really know how he hit the ball at the Open, I watched him. Um, I just didn't get a real sense of it. Um, I don't. They didn't come back a lot. I'll tell you that. I, I know JT. I feel like him and Xander are the two guys that I'm most in tune with, where I can really, I can really tell how confident they are and what's going on with them. And that wasn't JT at the Open. Um, he did a hell of a job to finish 40th, 
and you know in his two prior starts at the British and the Scottish he was losing strokes on approach and gaining a ton of strokes putting even at Colonial in Kiowa his irons weren't good um, by his standards Um, and honestly on Saturday afternoon I was convinced that he was going to win the Masters on that Saturday afternoon in April and then the rain delay happened and he made a double on his first hole out of the rain delay on 13. He duffed a chip into the water. It was one of the worst shots I've ever seen him hit. And he just, he hasn't been himself since. And I'm not in full-blown panic mode whatsoever. I think Memphis is going to be an excellent barometer for him. Like, if he plays poorly in Memphis, then I would say I would be officially worried. Um, I'm not worried totally yet. But like I said, I feel like him and Xander are the two guys like I feel like I have the strongest beat on um, because those are the only two guys that I follow really closely whether or not I have money on them. And I just don't see it right now with him. If you want to bet him because of the course fit, like that's fine. JT's unbelievable. He's a grinder and he can flip it in a heartbeat. But I don't think you're getting a good number for where his game is at right now. So I'm not going to play him. Um now, the only other two guys that I have some interest on, like, I'm not a huge fan of this guy at all. I think he's a little overrated, but I feel like this is a pretty good spot for answer. This is the type of thing that I could really see him winning. He rates out very well for me. Now, he rates out well for me at a lot of places, and I still choose not to play him. But I look at this course, and I look at how he's been playing, he was middle of the pack at Shadow Creek. He was middle of the pack at Sherwood, but he just finished second at Quail Hollow this year. He's coming off a of 59th at the Open, but it's just been it's been a lot of high consistent finishes out of him recently. And you know, fourth at the Travelers, eighth at the PGA, second at the Wells Fargo, as I mentioned, fifth at the Valspar. The ball striking's been really good. The putting's been excellent. Sixth off the tee, he's been so good off the tee. Um, Keeps the ball in play, too. Great putter, third and three-putt avoidance. Great on bent grass. Depending on that number, I feel like this is a a situation that could be good for Abraham answer. Um, and then the the one other guy that I'll, I'll just throw out there, I think someone's betting Shane Lowry this week. I don't... Listen, Shane Lowry's been a better golfer than Tommy Fleetwood for quite some time, but... Tommy Fleetwood usually has lower odds than than uh, Shane Lowry, and I, like I don't know why Shane Lowry's odds are so low. He's I think twenty two to one is like the best that you can find on Shane Lowry. So I dug into it a little bit, and like, I think he's a pretty sharp play if you can stomach those odds. I mean he he's was fine at Shadow Creek. He's been okay at Quail Hollow, but you know. He's had a really good season. He's made the cut at every major, 21st at the Masters, 4th at the PGA, 12th at the British in his last start, 8th at the Players, too, 6th at the Memorial. Like, that major win wasn't a one-off at Portrush in 2019. He's a really good player, Um, and he showed up this season, and he shows up in big events, and I wouldn't be shocked if he adds another major or, I mean, he's won a WGC, too. Um, he's played great at Firestone and he's just, he's playing incredible golf. His irons have been unbelievable. He's gained over 1.3 strokes on approach in every measured start since March. 
the putter can come and go, but I think if we're really talking about what he's best at, you know, short game is a huge asset. And I, and while I don't think that is going to matter a whole lot here, he's still good enough off the tee. He keeps the ball in play. He's a really good wedge player too. So I like Shane Lowry. I, uh, I could see this week for me, I go Reed or Hovland, Lowry, an answer, and I call it a day. I'm excited to talk with Luke um, about this stuff, and I'm not going to talk about them here, but like I think Munoz is a good bet to play well. I, I like Munoz as like a top 20. Um, he's played really well at Shadow Creek and Sherwood. Um, Norlander, too, was another guy that I think could play well here, but that's it. That'll do it for me. I think I like I like those guys. I think Lowry and Answer are are in play here. And I have to make another decision between Hovland and Reed. And maybe I'll get talked back in more so to a, a Rory or a JT when I dive in a little bit further on, on Monday. But that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I didn't talk about like Hideki or Morikawa. Um I, I don't love Hideki. I, I just don't love it here. And I know a lot of people do, but we haven't seen him since the U.S. Open. That was over a month ago. He started the Rocket Mortgage, but ended up withdrawing. I've said this before, like no shots to Hideki, but if you actually dig into the numbers, what he did at the Masters was far more of an anomalous win than it was a result of a player percolating. Like that Masters win was his only top 10 of the season. It's his only top 10 all year. Like, he hasn't been good. Matsuyama hasn't had a good season outside of one event. Um, You know, the irons are always great, but, you know, like, I feel like Hideki got his monumental country-changing win. This narrative thing about how much it means to these guys, like, Hideki could get hit by a car tomorrow and he will have done more for his country than 99.9999% of everyone else in the world. Like, what's more important to golf in Japan? An Olympic gold medal or winning the fucking Masters? It's winning the fucking Masters, okay? So does this mean something to him? Sure, but is this like something that is written in stone for Hideki? Like, no, I don't. I don't think so. He just hasn't, he hasn't been a good golfer this year outside of one tournament. So I don't, I don't know why I would bet him at 14 to one. Morikawa is dangerous. Morikawa is like having one of those seasons where it's like, it's just, it's coming, it's all coming together. It really is. So that, that's the guy that scares me is Morikawa. I, I know he's the favorite and I, I'm not going to bet him at seven to one, but like, as somebody that's considering betting, um, you know, Reed or Hovland, the guys that scare me more are like Xander and, and Morikawa than a Hideki or a JT or a Rory right now. Me personally, that's just me personally. You guys can do whatever you want. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen with this course. This is just the research that I did and the stuff that I came up with. So that'll do it for me. Once again, have a great uh, rest of, I I mean, it's over now. It's Sunday night. Um, So I will be back on Tuesday morning with my buddy Luke, day one OG friend of the show, my first guest ever. I'm very excited to talk to my good buddy Luke. He's hit like nine outright winners this year. So that should be very fun. But until then, 
Thanks a bunch, guys. Later.